This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and the dude, Jamie Rivers. Mr. Rivers, what the hell's going on, bro? Oh, man. It's been busy, man, and I want to apologize to some of our loyal listeners to the podcast. uh, Donnie and I, our schedules couldn't connect, and then I had blues games where I was out of town, back in town, and a lot of stuff going on here recently, so uh, we apologize for missing a couple weeks. I got to tell you something, man, Um, and, and, you know, I've been watching blues hockey for as long as I can remember, and so I remember when it was random games that would pop up on Channel 11 up until now where we get to see every single game. And I mean this genuinely, and I know it's it's tough because you and I are friends in that, but, like, the job that you guys do on the pre- and post-game, during the games, in between periods, I really like it a lot. And I scan a lot because I've got Hulu, yeah. so I've got the ESPN Plus thing. So I ended up watching a lot of out-of-market games, and, you know, you see their shows and things like that. You guys just do a hell of a good job, man. I appreciate that. The crew at Valley Sports is awesome. Really, honestly, you know, the other night was our last broadcast of the year, the Minnesota Wild game. It was sad. It was. It was sad because, you know, you, you got these people, all sorts of people, behind the cameras, uh, producers, directors, everything. It's not just the co-hosts or the hosts that are, on, that are in front of the camera that yeah. hang out. We hang out with everybody. It is, It is a big family, and... I had a blast this year. I really did. From, you know, being between the benches and working with John Kelly, he is just an amazing individual. Like, honestly, such a good dude and so good at his job. It really made it easy for me. And he had, you know, nothing but great advice and tips along the way. And, you know, sometimes there can be egos involved in some of these things. And, you know, nobody on our crew has that. You know, working alongside Bernie was a lot of fun. Like, Bernie and I knew each other. And we'd work together quite a bit, but this year, because we worked together so much, really got to know each other, and like we had a blast. We were laughing all the time and, and had a great time, and you know we just enjoyed it. Uh, Alexa does a great job. She's got a great personality. Thank God she does, because we're old curmudgeon hockey players. <laughs> and she, that poor woman, <laughs> oh, she handles us so well, and you know she laughs, and she's just one of the guys, which is an ultimate compliment to her. And Scotty uh, Warman, man, he's just a pro. He's he's awesome at what he does. So uh, I appreciate that. It's funny you said that because my my son and I were watching a game last night, and the the crew in between periods were talking. And you know your kids, right? They always think like dad's a dork. Like they get embarrassed when they see me on TV. Dude, they are honest to a fault about us. They just pick on their parents, you know. Yeah. And my one boy, Big Hoss, said, turned to me. He says. Uh, you guys are way better than these guys. He's like, this is painful. So I was like, you know what, son? Thank you. Right. And you know that Big Hoss, he's not here to blow up your ego. No, man. he's not. No. <laughs> Ordinarily, he's like picking on me, be like, you had something in your teeth, or what were you looking at, or why did you stutter? Like, shut up, son. Right. I'm doing the best I can. It's live TV. And it's I'm, a little bit nerve wracking. And I'm sometimes. paying for you to eat, so zip it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I made a mistake the other day, by the way. Um, I left, I left my card because I had the Blues game to go to. I left my card with my girlfriend to take Big Hoss to the grocery store. Big Hoss is living at my house, and uh, it's complaining there's nothing to eat, which, by the way, there's lots to eat. There's nothing he wants to eat. Sure. 
We eat different things nowadays. <laughs> I eat fruit, and salad, and vegetables. And, and my chicken. man likes Doritos. And he's wanting Doritos, you know, sugary cereal, and like all the stuff his metabolism can handle. Right. <laughs> and so I left the, my, my debit card, and she took them. And as, as she's checking out, she's like, you sure? Question mark. I'm like, well, yeah, he's got to have food, you know? It's like, just for, and I said, just buy for the next couple of days. $80. Oh, baby. $80 for two days or three days worth of food. Now, the only thing that I can say in Big Hoss's defense, man, is that if you go to a grocery store these days, it does not take long before you're sitting at that $40, $50 threshold. No, I understand. And I'm not saying, listen, my point is not that he's overspending. Oh, okay. Money. The fact is that's the money that it's costing. Yeah, the yeah. Real t- the real-time money of it is that's what it is. Whether he bought five items or 50, it's got, that's the money that's costing me. Whew. And big hosses. I mean, we don't call them big hosses for nothing. Yeah, no. <laughs> Six five two forty. <240. laughs> My God, dude, it's such a good kid, too, man. He like, is, dude, such a good kid. He is a good kid. All right, so here's what we got. We got a ton of stuff in the which we could talk about, but I've got a bunch of emails. So we're, we're going to be able to get into all the blues stuff from, you know, from next week through the summer of anything we want to touch on, from players to personnel to systems and whatnot. I feel like we owe our listeners, and you do too, answer some of these emails. Yeah, absolutely so. And also, too, man, the level of question for the Last Minute Blues podcast listener is above average. Like, it's not some— We have a smarter audience. You know what I'm saying? These aren't the guys that are that are emailing us why we can't trade Marco Scandella for uh, the rights to Connor Bedard. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these are some— <laughs> That'd be hell of a trade. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's uh, let's start here with, uh, with Jason. Hey, boys, first let me say I've been a fan of the podcast since day one and miss having Jeff be a part of the program so much. I have two questions for you, and I'm hoping you're able to answer them for me. If an e-bug gets the opportunity to play— for a team that ends up winning Lord Stanley Cup's trophy, are they eligible for a championship ring and to get their name etched on the trophy? And to your knowledge, has this ever occurred before? Uh, one, they're not eligible to get their name on the cup. Ah, damn it. He would have to be e-bug in the final series, uh, which there's no rule for that. You can carry three goalies. There's no roster numbers. Like, all of that disappears. So... Dang it. Uh, and the e-bug would have to have played, uh, I think it's like 80% of the games, or been on the roster for like 80% of the games. Okay. Now, the team, if the team elects to have a ring made for him, that's on the team. Right. So they're allowed to do that. I've seen that in the past where there's players that uh, have been, you know benefited or, or the organization's been classy enough to get a ring made for a player that had a, a minimal part of the team but was still there. So it, the ring is the team's discretion as far as the Stanley Cup. Uh, there's very strict rules by the league to get your name on that bad boy. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. I was just rooting for the e-bug. And this next question, it makes so much sense that I don't understand why it's not a thing. Uh-oh. And I don't. I shouldn't even get upset about it because it's not important. Not but you. if a player takes uh, if a player take uh, takes part in the skills competition and wins the skills competition, why aren't they immediately voted back the following year to defend their title? Case in point: Jordan Cairo, fastest skater last year. He didn't wasn't a part of it this year. Like, wh- like why? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. So here, you're dealing with the players' union on this one too. Is as much as we love the all-star game, or maybe you don't, maybe you hate it, I don't know, um, the players could do without. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they don't like going and hanging out with all these other superstars. It's the season's demanding. 
And if they have families, it's more time, you know, away from the family, or it's a massive production to get all the family there. And it does, at the end of the day, it doesn't end up being a long, any kind of a break for the player in the All-Star game. Not at all, actually. And, like, for me, I would be like, I don't care. I'm going to the All-Star game, baby. But that's different, right? Like, I wasn't a superstar, and I never got picked. And I guess if I got picked every single year, maybe I would feel differently about it. Um, but I do like – I think I, – I believe at one point in the past, they did have that rule that the current All-Star game players would all compete and – you know, for the hardest shot and the fastest skater, those are the two guys that would go automatically. Yeah. Um, I don't know that necessarily to be a fact, though, but I like the idea. Yeah. If you want to fly that guy out there for, you know, the one competition, and you go for it, I guess. I just... I don't hate the idea. I just think the players would hate it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. This one from uh, Gian, who's messaged us a few times before. I'd like to know why hockey players don't wear face protection like football players. Keep up the good work. I enjoy the show. That's from Gian. Well, we're way tougher, for starters. <laughs> Take that, Kerry Davis. <laughs> don't don't st- don't start that, man, because you're both pretty gosh darn tough when it comes right down to it. You know what I mean? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Because players don't like that face shield for the most part, do they? Yeah. Uh, the visor? Yeah, the visor. Well, the kids nowadays are just used to it. Okay. I mean, they come up playing junior hockey, and it's mandatory visor. So most of the guys that are in the NHL now have played with it. They don't know life without it. Um, I did not like it. I never wore a visor. Uh, for a couple reasons. One was if you're going to run around and stir up crap all night, it's kind of a unwritten rule that you don't wear a visor. Bit Leave a, yourself at least exposed enough to be, you know, fought with. It would be a bit of a chicken-ish move. Yes. Okay. That's what it was. It, that's what it was considered to be back in back in my day. <laughs> Got um, it. I feel like I always have to say it that way. <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the visor, you know, like uh, Mike Eagles is a guy that comes to, to mind. He used to run around like all can be, and then he had a visor, and he had that thing buckled right down, and guys used to hate him. They tried to rip that visor off and beat him with it. <laughs> right. Like, it was crazy. So I'm like, I'm not wearing a visor. I mean, I, I don't really want to lose an eye, that's for sure, but I'd rather not lose my entire head. <laughs> right. And as far as, like, the practicality of it, for me, maybe not for everybody, but, you know, guys sweat a lot. And anytime you'd have an impact – the sweat would like get off your face and hit the visor and it would like be all full of like these water drop sweat droplets. And then you're trying to see around it and, you know, and I think, uh, I, and I think the real reason why football players wear the full mask is when they decided to go to a hard shell helmet, you know, guys drop their head, like to go in for a tackle, they drop their head. Or if you're running back, you drop your head or your shoulder to get that extra yard. Well, there's a risk of getting a helmet right in the face. <sighs> You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're yeah. going for a tackle, and let's say somebody says they always say put the put your helmet through the numbers. Okay, so what if that guy you know moves, and now you get a hard shelled helmet right in the face? Yeah, man. Like, no, it, that's why they have the face mask is because of the way their sport is. Dig it. Well, that makes that makes perfect sense here. Uh, this is from Mike. Uh, hey, uh, J- hey, and we got a couple Colton Parecos here. So oh let's, boy, let's here we these. go. Actually, it's not what you think. Uh, 
hey guys, Jamie, can you work with Colton over the offseason and teach him how to hit the net and uh, and some puck finesse? Oh, and Ish in his Cheerios every morning to try to get him a little scrap, a little scrappiness out of him. I used to be team get rid of Pareko, but I'm slowly changing my mind. I think he just needs to be pushed a bit in a competitive way. Maybe another defenseman that's better will make him get to the game. We all know uh, that he can play and play consistently. It seems when he is on his game, the Blues all around play better. Uh, thoughts? Love the podcast. Miss Jeff. Thanks, Mike. Well, I mean, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Mike, but I mean, he's one of our best players. So when he's playing really well, well, then that just kind of helps everybody else. I think if I could start to answer this before oh, you take things over, no, please. I feel like this is a continuation of a topic from last year that we all want to see Colton Pareko be a different kind of player than Colton Pareko really truly is. We're not going to see him throw the body around like we would love to see with the big body, all right? But the one thing to me, man, that I do really, I, I, I don't understand is with that shot, why he does not take it more or work on refining that shot because he has got a freaking missile. Yeah, he does work on it, by the way. He works on it a lot. And I would assume that he would. And it's a dumb thing for me to say that a professional athlete wouldn't work on a skill like that. But it just seems like it's something that he does not do. I wish he did more. Yeah, I think that sometimes the confidence behind it is is Colton Pareko doesn't want to murder one of his own teammates either. Mm. And so, We've talked about that before, too, I know. There's a that, fine, that you said there's genuine concern that he might not know sometimes where it's going. It, it happens. And it's not even that he doesn't know where it's going because you think, well, well, he should know. Sometimes it goes off a stick. It goes off a skate. And that thing's humming at 100-plus miles an hour. What if you get that in the side of the face? What if you get it right in the teeth? What if you get it in the temple? Like, this stuff happens on the inside of the knee, the ankle, all that stuff. And players are out then. And then, as a teammate, you feel like crap. That's a small part of it, okay? The other part of it is the NHL is a good league. They know guys like Colton Pareko, and they take away time and space. And very seldom do you see a guy with the big walloping slap shot anymore. That, that's a great point. I know he used to have that. the Al McKinnis that he'd get it, and he'd get that slap shot off. And you'd think of a couple other guys, Ray Bork, uh, Ally Frady. Ally Frady. But these guys would get the slapper off. Go back five years. Tell me who a guy that you know of in the league is a, is a religious slap shot guy. Yeah, that's Pick a great one. point. The, the only guys, oh, well, Ovi. No, that's a one timer. That's different. A slap shot guy where the puck comes to you and you wind up with a big clapper. Time and space is taken away, and most of the time, players now they have a, a lighter flex on their stick in order to get a quick wrist shot off, so that you can have a look, see the opening find a stick to deflect it, and you zip that thing to the net as fast as you can. Now, the slap shot does happen from time to time, but go back. Go watch games. Count how many slap shots are in a game. Dude, that's a great point, and I can't believe that I really just noticed noticed that in you making that point, but that's absolutely the case. Because one of I'm the things... Help, Donnie. <laughs> well, one of the things, man, and I've told you this, and I've said it on the podcast before, that absolutely amazes me about NHL players is what they do with so little space at such a high level of speed. The it's brain, incredible. I, I, I remember explaining this one time to somebody. I said, the brain operates at such a high level that it's incredible. It, it makes me think that we're all potentially uh, can be so much better in life, period. And I know that's a deep thought. Yeah. Okay, but I'm, I, follow me on this journey. Is if I can get a pass in a game with you know nine other 
big human beings on the ice. If I can get a pass with this little black piece of rubber while standing on a quarter inch of steel, and I use a stick, a club in my hand to receive that pass, now I'm dissecting the coverage that's moving at about 25 miles an hour with bodies that are six foot plus 200 pounds who are trying to put their stick and their bodies in the way and murder me at the same time. But I also have to, not only do I have to identify their coverage, I have to find my guy who's open. So I've got it. My brain now has to find a jersey that's the same color as mine with the stick that's available for a pass. And then I've got to execute pass tape to tape. You're giving me a panic attack. <laughs> Dude. Just, but, but I mean, I, it, it, think it's otherworldly. It's crazy. And yet we sit here sometimes and during the day we're like, oh, I can't think of that. Really? No, it's because you're really not pushing yourself. And I'm just as guilty because I get lazy brain too. Trust yeah. me. But it just is amazing. And football, you know, I credit all the like, look at every sport. There's those guys, their, their brains like football for a quarterback um, to read the defense and defense, defensive backs that read the quarterback's eyes and the pattern and baseball to hit a baseball that's coming at you 100 miles an hour. And then the next pitch is 76 miles an hour and it's far outside. Like, all of this stuff is wild to me how the human brain can process it at such a high level. So that's one thing to remember, too. Man, it's just, it's it's really unbelievable. It's just another reason why I love hockey, too. Uh, here's another one about, um, let's see here. I thought I had one more that was specifically Colton Pareko related. So let, let me talk about Colton Pareko for a second, okay? Is, yeah. Never mind the slap shot and all that stuff, because we didn't really get to where I wanted to go with this. Okay. Donnie, I've asked this question of many people recently because Colton Pareko gets brought up to me all over the place. All the time. The grocery store, the hockey game, the gym, I mean, the radio station, you name it. People are like, ah, Pareko. couple things. One, he's not Chris Pronger. He's never going to be Chris Pronger. His mentality, his his um, toughness, all that, it's, it's not in his chemical makeup. Mm-hmm. You cannot turn a golden retriever into a pit bull yeah. most of the time. Every now and then it happens. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, Colton Pareko is going to be taking away time and space using his uh, good speed and great defensive stick to play at a high level. He's going to use his speed to skate out of trouble. He's going to use his speed to join the attack. He's never going to be a physical presence out there. Could he elevate that more just a little bit? Yes. And I think we've seen that. The last handful, last 10 to 15 games, Colton Pareko, if you go back and watch, he's been more physical. Closing guys out, a little tougher along the boards, a little tougher in front of the net. Incrementally better, but still better. So you can't you can't expect him to be Chris Pronger. You just can't. And you can't expect him to have all of the skill of Alex Petrangelo. He's not that guy. Now, let's move the ball forward here a little bit. Who's your replacement right now in your organization for Colton Pareko? Oh, well, we don't – I mean, we do not have that. We are – from what I understand, you, we are we are razor thin at defensive Could depth. you please repeat that again? Who is your replacement for Colton Pareko? We don't have one. There you go. Period. There you go. But, but I mean – but but I just want to say so that – why would even, you get rid of him then? Well, right. No, but, but like, even if we had a, an upper-level prospect in Springfield, I still don't know – Well, how many years is he away? And are you sure he can play? Right. Right, I'm just saying, like, I don't know that that would... I, I'm just not of the opinion that moving this guy is the right thing at all, and I feel like finding the right partner for him is more important than trading him. Yeah, and I'm not coming at you. 
here right now. Yeah, yeah, no, this I is, know you're not. We're this just is talking. Me just giving information to all of the people who have always want to ask about Colton Pareko. So one, you don't have a Colton Pareko in your organization. Not even close. Not even close. Okay, so let's move the ball forward. All right. Um, if you traded Colton Pareko, guess what you're looking for immediately? A defenseman. You're looking for Colton Pareko. Yeah, you're looking for a big, fast defenseman that can move the puck up the friggin' ice. For $6.5 million. It's not astronomical. Donnie, go through capfriendly.com and go around the NHL and find what number two defensemen are making on a team. And I say that because I don't believe Colton Pareko to be a number one. Mm-hmm. Alex Petrangelo is a number one. Victor Hedman is a number one. Drew Doughty is a number one. These are guys that are number one defensemen. Mm-hmm. Colton Pareko is a number two defenseman. Guess what? It's six to seven point five million is what those guys make. Colton so, Pareko makes six point five million, so he's right in there. So the the money argument or the contract argument doesn't hold weight either. And if you're looking for a guy like Colton Pareko, which by the way, if Doug Armstrong ever sent out an email and said, "Hey, send me an offer on Colton Pareko. I'm ready to deal him," he would be flooded with teams that are contenders that are looking for a Colton Pareko. Yeah. So why not hold on to him? Why not continue to work with him? Why not give him, you know, a few more years here before we vote him off the island? Right, right. It just seems, though, man, like like Patrick Berglund and a list of others before him, that Pareko has got that sort of uh, that blues fans. Donnie J. Bomeister had it too. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot J. Bo had yeah. it. How do people feel about J. Bomeister now? <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, Wish we had him back. Right. <laughs> oh, don't dude, you? You're right, man. Dude, he was I, awesome in the Stanley Cup final. Dude. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Oh, by the way, who did he play with? I, I, Colton Pareko. Colton Pareko. <laughs> dude, and you know, you know what's so crazy about doing this podcast with you, though? And I've said this before, too, man, is that it just it, it, it gives me the thought for the first time as a fan to take the pause and go, you know what? Everything doesn't happen overnight. We expect it overnight. <laughs> You expected Colton Pareko to go from winning the cup in 2019 to being this number one, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it, it, it takes time for things to happen. I got a, kind of in this same vein, I got a question for you. So, and I don't know if you can confirm it, but there have been multiple reports of yelling matches on the bench between Craig Berube and young Jordan Cairo. Oh, that's exaggerated. That is exaggerated. It's exaggerated. Okay. Uh, they had one little verbal exchange in Nashville that was taken care of very quickly, and that's it. In and out. It was a situation where Jordan Cairo thought he was available for a pass. A teammate did not pass it to him, and Jordan Cairo did the hands up like, come on, and like skated to the bench for a change after. And I don't know the exact dialogue because I wasn't there, but I can imagine Craig Berube said, hey, Let's not show up our teammates like that. Yeah. And Kairu probably said something at the point. Well, I, don't, I wasn't trying to show him up. I was just angry. And he probably said something like, BS. We know what we know what we saw. Enough of that crap. I think that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. We, it, it hasn't happened a number of times. Okay. If anything that's happened is the coaches being tough on young players. And it's not just Jordan Kairu. Yeah. And a lot of what Craig Berube deals with is behind closed doors. Or at practice. He's seen all the time. He grabs guys, pulls them aside at practice. It doesn't have to be a yelling match. Yeah. Are our are, are young, are our fortunes kind of, he- not even kind of, our fortunes are kind of, are hedged on the the improvement and the maturity of Thomas and Kairou going forward. Yeah, but Donnie, you've got point of game guys. So you've got two players that can get 80 points a year, easily. The, 
you know, what's the next level? First of all, Jordan Kyrie's got 37 goals. Which is nuts. He could get to 40 here. He got two games to go here, and he does score in bunches. So he's essentially already a 35 to 40 goal scorer for you. Those guys don't grow on trees. They sure don't. Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou, although they've had ups and downs, some injuries and this and that, you know, Robert Thomas, they're a point per game player. There's only one way to go. It's up. Right. They're barely in the league. Like, they're 23 and 24 years old. Yeah. What are they going to look like at 28, 29? Oh, baby. Like, think about that for a second. So, does it hinge on them, the future of the organization? I, I think it does. But at the same time, I think it's the cast around them, too, is where you have to build up a great support cast. Because those two guys can't do it alone. Right. As good as they are, right. they're not Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They're not Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. Like, they're not that level yet of superstars. So you got to give them some support. And I think Doug Armstrong has done that so far since the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, these guys that they acquired, Kapanen and Verona. Verona, a little... He's been a little invisible here recently. I'd like to see him get a little more involved. But Kapanen, their, their numbers bear out the fact that they've been very good for the Blues. And Sammy Blay has been an incredible addition to this group. I, I love Sammy Blay so much, man. He's got over 110 hits, and he's look at the points he's putting up. Dude, you just, and like we've said before, man, like, you know when that dude is on the ice. Uh-huh. Every single freaking shift, you know when he is well, on the what ice. What I like, Donnie, is he hasn't changed his style of play. At all. As far as the physicality and being a pest, that hasn't changed. What has changed is he's also now just added some more offense and confidence. Watch him with the puck out there. He makes some really smart plays, really good plays, really skilled plays where you're like, man, I didn't know he had that in the toolbox. Sure. But he does. So that's great. You know, you got three players that can now, that's part of a supporting cast. Braden Shen having the year that he's having, quietly having a really good year. That's part of the supporting cast. Sure. Now, so Kapanen and Verona, are they both back next year? Yes, they're both under contract for next season. And, and so is Sammy Blay with the contract extension. Big shout out to Crestwood Dental Group, my dentist, my family's dentist, my dad, my brother, Mary, my kiddos, me, all patients at Dr. Maxwell and the staff there at Crestwood Dental. And um, I honest, I couldn't ask for more uh, from a dentist, all right? My youngster, Dexter, uh, he is all over the place. All over the place. Him sitting still in that dental chair is a tough task for him. But you know what? Dr. Maxwell and the staff, they make it a good time every time so that he doesn't dread going to the dentist office like I did when I was a kid. And that's what led to me having a ton of problems when I got older. So now we're getting the kids set with good habits now so that they won't have the same problems that I did. Reach out to Crestwood Dental and Dr. James Maxwell, and uh, they're going to take great care of you. CrestwoodDental.com or or you can give them a call. Call them at 314-820-0909, 314-820-0909. Crestwood Dental Group, Dr. James Maxwell, proud sponsor of the Last Minute Blues podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And boy, sometimes, though, you do kind of see the stuff with Verona that would drive the coaches and ex-teammates kind of crazy. It does. There's some flybys. There's some I'm only going to skate when necessary. There's some I don't really feel like playing defense. <laughs> There's some, oh, I'm going to go hard right now because I have an opportunity to score. <laughs> <laughs> There's all of these things, but you know what? But you knew that. Sure, it was it was buyer beware already. Like 100%. Doug Armstrong, the scouting staff, the coaching staff, everybody already knew what they were bringing in. So now, what's good about it is you get a nice, healthy dose of video to support your case going into the off season. So when you sit down with Jacob Verana, whether it's at the end of the season or if it's before the start of the next season. You say, hey, here's what our goals are for you, our expectations, our concerns. Um, and we have some video here to support it. One, here, look at this. When you use your speed, you can create. you got a great shot. You, great and it's hands. like you say, good and bad both. Good you show bad. the good and the bad. But here's some video here of, look, you're not tracking very well. You're not checking very well. You're not in the right spot. Your stick's up in the air. You're not really paying attention. We need more effort here. Here's a wall battle that you just basically concede to the opposition. You're not really putting up an effort. You're not fighting back. You're not pushing back. We need that to change. So now the player knows and the organization knows after all these games what they're dealing with moving into next season. Man, and I, I want to. I wrote myself a note. Um, I have just thoroughly enjoyed since he came back from the from the injury list. Jake Neighbors. Well, oh, man, I, is he a throwback, dude? He is is going to be an absolutely phenomenal addition to this to to this organization going forward, man. And 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 for those of us that get a little crabby about not seeing physical play from Cairo or from Thomas, well, you get a little bit of your fill watching Jake Neighbors throw it around out yeah, there. He's running around hitting everything. I love it. The kid plays the game like he's in a bad mood. Yeah. That's what I love. But And they just need a balance of that, right? Like like you just, yeah. you got to have your guys like that to balance out the Jacob Verhanas that aren't going to be doing those sorts of things. Well, look at your team toughness right now, just if we'll call it team toughness, okay? You've got Jake Neighbors. You've got Braden Shen. Um, you've got... Let's see here. Well, Tyler Tucker now. Tyler, He's back up. Tyler Tucker. Nathan Walker plays tough. Torpchenko yeah, yeah. runs guys over. Pitlick hits out there. You know, so your team toughness overall has improved. You don't have the big heavyweight guy to go against Ryan Reeves, but you don't need that. No. If Ryan Reeves becomes relevant in your path to the Stanley Cup, then something's wrong. No disrespect to Ryan Reeves. I just mean that style of player. Pick your player. Yeah. Whether it's Delorier in Philadelphia uh, Wilson's a little bit of a unique unicorn there because he can play penalty kill power play and he can put your brains through the glass at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> but your team toughness overall is fine. You know, you, Sammy Blay is another guy that gets out there and gets in your face. I don't think the Blues are going to get pushed around anytime soon. I don't think they have the heavyweights to go at it with some of the guys that are out there, but they don't need to. So how do you see, and obviously we got a ways to go because we still have the Stanley Cup playoffs and the finals and things, but how do you see Doug Armstrong approaching the draft? You know, we've talked about this before. Probably at the walk over. The hotel's pretty close. No, that's good. Yeah. You don't think he's going to need a cab or anything like that. No, Doug <laughs> likes to walk, and the weather probably be beautiful, too. It just kind of gets him fresh, freshened up and, and, and ready to go and do his probably thing. grab a coffee. He does like Starbucks. <laughs> I know that. 
He likes the Americano. All right, douche. Are they going to go with three first round <laughs> picks, or do you see them trading them? What do you what do you what do you see? They're going to they're going to trade them. There's no way they take three guys in the first round, right? Well, now was that a question or a statement? Because you mixed them both. In yeah, the I probably did. Okay, then I'm gonna just going <laughs> to say my statement. There's no way that they pick three guys in the first round. They're going to absolutely have to trade at least one or two of those. I think they probably trade the two lower ones and keep the 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 high pick that they that they get from the season. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting that way. And, and I, I I also wonder if that one of those first-round picks is going to have to be attached to a contract that you're trying to move to. Oh, boy. Tory Krug? I didn't say that. I just said that it's there's a contract that maybe you have to move or that you'd like to move, and maybe teams are less than motivated for the amount yearly as well as the term. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, you might motivate them more by I, attaching a first-round pick. I got it. I got it. But we're not talking about Tory Krug here. No. No. Could be anybody. All right. There's lots of players on the team. Absolutely. I want to throw one more out at you here. This is from Bob. Uh, hey, boys, love the podcast. Despite this hockey hell we Blues fans are in right now, I wanted to bring up two things. First of all, if Bennington listens to the pod, he needs to hear an avid Blues fan who appreciates him taking this year on the chin for the team. Most casual Blues fans and national media look at his numbers and say he's a mediocre goalie, but I think last-minute Blues podcast people know he is one of the few bright spots this year. Even last year, he was hung out to dry, but nothing like this year. Uh, actually, and that was the, that was the only thing. The other other thing he has is uh, is a moot point at this at this time. But Bennington has been great. I I, I tell you what, though. Don't you think though he's got to really be careful with the the like the stuff that happened in Minnesota? Like he's got to kind of parcel that out a little bit. No, I like it. <laughs> well, no, listen, listen. We're not talking about whether we like it or not because I love it. I just I I worry that you know, man. Johnny, again, I'm going to bring up a couple of names. Okay, for you, okay, and I want you to tell me what you think. Uh, let me give you the names, and I want your opinion on if they're good goalies or not. Okay. Uh, Ed Belfour. Okay, is this the question of just if they're good goalies or not? Just good goalies. Yes, very. Um, Patrick Waugh. Yep. Dominic Hasek. Yep. Okay, uh, how about Ron Hextall? Uh, yep, also a good one. Good goalie? Yeah, right? yeah. Good goalie? Yeah. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Curtis Joseph. Okay, loved okay. Cujo. Pretty good goalies. I, I mean, I could continue down the list and just keep going. Do you know what all five of those guys had in common? The same edge as Bennington. Yeah. You didn't skate through Eddie Belfour's crease. You didn't stand in front of Patrick Waugh's net. You didn't bump into Dominic Hasek. You certainly didn't go near Ron Hextall. And Cujo, we know, he would chop ankles and other places <laughs> where players were exposed. And then he would fight. He would jump in and grab a player. Like Those guys all played with an edge. Yeah. Why are we worried about Bennington? I want, everybody talks about the goalie being half crazy as it is, right? I do feel like sometimes he needs help. And what I mean by that is help from his teammates. Because I feel like sometimes Jordan Bennington feels like he's the only guy with a response at yeah. times. Yeah, and that's the part I don't like. And that part can be um, uh, calmed down. It can be you know subdued a little bit. But as far as Hartman, that whole thing, Hartman's a piece of you-know-what mm -hmm. as a player. As an individual, I don't know him, so I'm yeah, not going to comment. Yeah. But he skates through and bumps into Bennington. It's not the first time he's ran into Bennington. You don't think Bennington has a little bit of a soft spot for being run into now after getting his knee blown out last yeah. year? So he gets up, goes over, and clubs the guy. Now, I don't condone the blocker to the face with the stick because that's a weapon. Like, that's a weapon. The blockers, sure. like that thing. I've, I've been punched in the face with a blocker before. It doesn't feel good. 
Uh, so if Bennington wants to go over there and drop his gloves and get after the guy, fine. And then Flurry coming down, like the referees just should have let him have it. Like, hey guys, oh yeah, that was you know criminal what? that they didn't let him. Go. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Flurry yeah. wanted it. Bennington wanted it. Everybody in the world wanted it. Yeah, yeah. Let him go. But as far as like worrying about that stuff, I, to me, it comes down to that, that that fire in the belly, that competitive nature of the individual. Do you have to sometimes, you know? throw water on it a little bit. Yeah, from time to time. And Craig Berube does that. He sits and talks to Jordan Bennington. He you know, he goes through some scenarios and Craig Berube played with Ron Hextall, played against all those guys I just mentioned too. He knows that the great ones had a little bit of a screw loose. And sometimes you need that to be successful. We certainly weren't nobody gave a crap about it in 2019, did they? It just seems like it has happened more this year. Well, because he's played full seasons now. And that's a very good point, too. And obviously a different defensive core. Well, and it's a bit of now. a bumpier road. Yeah. It's a lot of things involved. But in 2019, when Jordan Bennington was this weirdo in the best possible way, and, you know, the do I look nervous right. and the confident and the swagger and the edge to him, we were like, man, we like this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a little out there. But then all of a sudden things go south a little bit. No, we don't like this guy anymore. I'm no. not. I'm not of that belief. Not not me either. I just want to say for the record. And I'm then also with your comment. <laughs> and then also too, going into the dude, our goaltending tandem going into next year, a flipping Bennington and Hofer. Yeah, that's going to be a two headed monster. Let's freaking go! So the Blues. I've said this a number of times. The Blues are way further ahead in this retool than what I even think they thought they would be. It's based upon your minor league system. So Tyler Tucker coming out of nowhere. He gave you, like, wow, we've got a 5-6 defenseman who plays with an edge, who's simple, closes guys out. That's great. Then you got the Blay, Kappen, and Verana. Wow, we're way further ahead now. We're deeper up front than we thought we were going to be. Zachary Bolduke, what is he next year? I don't know. To me, I think he's a minor leaguer. He's still got some way to go, some ways to go here. Because he's still got to grow physically a bit, right? Just a lot. The okay. game's fast at the NHL level, and he doesn't play with all the best pace at times, but he's very talented. So he can learn to pick up the pace. Mm-hmm. It happens. We all did it. You know, you all learn because you have to. Yeah. And just a lot of moves like that where you're like, okay, the goaltending is solid. The forwards are good. You're going to probably add one piece up front. Who that is, I don't know. It's not going to be an expensive piece. Be a 2 to $3 million player that you add up front. But you can live with that because you should have the offense to go with it. I mean, you got Booch, Tomich, Cairo, Shen, Saad, Verana, Kappen. You got some guys. You got some dudes up right. front. So your defensive core, too, is in pretty good shape. They have to play better. Right. But they do have the ability to do it. So this retool, in my opinion, is further along than I thought it was going to be. And in fact, depending on what Army does in the offseason, if he's able to do the things that we think he can do, this team's right back into a playoff discussion next year. A hundred, like Look at a hundred, where they are right now. They're like eight points out of a playoff spot right now in the year. We're chalking up the year. Is that it's been hell. Yeah. And they're eight points. That's four wins, Donnie. I, I just don't see this. If they as, only lose four wins out of that eight-game losing streak, they're right there in the playoffs. I just feel like this is like this season here is a bit of an anomaly, and they're going to be back after it next year. Oh, 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 I know what I wanted to ask you. So let's oh say hamster just choked. Back yeah, yeah. Way. So let's say the Blues finish eleventh um, overall in the standings, twelfth overall in the standings, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, somewhere yep. around there, and they pick that player. Uh-huh. That te- that tenth, eleventh, twelfth pick is not going to be a player for the team next year. You never know. 
but it's really probably just those first couple guys, the Bedard. It's a deep draft, really. It's a very deep draft, and you can't forget that there's been players over the course of time that have you know kind of debunked that. David Perron came out of nowhere, made the team. You know, Robert Thomas, uh, not that he came out of nowhere, but he made the team at a very young age. So it's not impossible that it happens. Um, it's not likely that it happens, but you never know. Boy, this uh, this uh, Eastern Conference playoffs is going to be a flipping bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, the West, too, but it just seems like a little bit more of the skill seems like it's in the East. And holy smokes, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be pretty wild. Uh, unfortunately, there's couple of really good teams that are going to be out in the first round. There's Stanley Cup contending teams that will be out in the first round. Try to stomach that if you're a general manager and owner. And on the west side, the Western Conference, it's wide open. You've got to deal with the McDavid and Dreisaitl show in Edmonton. And then, oh, by the way, the Vegas Golden Knights have quietly just had an incredible season. And, oh, Mark Stone is back. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? I mean, he's not healthy, air quotes, yet. Yet. Give him a couple of days, meaning as soon as the season's over, he's going to be just fine. <laughs> so now you've added an 85-point player to your roster, your captain, a penalty killer, a power play guy, and you're already first place in the conference. Do, do you think that the NHL ever does anything about this salary cap manipulation yeah. thing, or is it just the way that it goes? They'll try at some point, but the players' union will have some kind of a response to it. And the owners are their, the, the GMs and the owners are their own worst enemy, Donnie. Who the hell do you think came up with the idea? Probably them. Well, yeah, it's their it's their way around the system. They created the system and then found their own loophole. <laughs> right. Think about that for a second. Right. That sounds like an owner type thing to do. Though. It is. You know what I mean? This has always been the biggest frustration for the players is they cry poor and they, they want to dig their heels in and this and that. And we want a salary cap because we want to stop the spending. Yet teams go out and they spend a massive amount of money on players. Well, I thought you were trying to watch the budget there. Right. Nah, I was lying. And how about the budget? Because you're paying a guy $8 million to sit on the IR until the end of the season while you pay another player a couple million to play in his spot. It, none of it makes sense except for winning. Yeah. That's all that makes sense. God, and I do not want... See, like, the NHL is so weird for me because, like, I don't like Vegas at all. What? It's beautiful. You ever been there? I've never been, what? but I don't like the hockey team. Oh, Donnie, I need to take you to Vegas with me. Oh, let's... Let's go. You but and I, me. I'd love to see Jonathan Quick do well there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'd like to see him go out with a bang. I'm curious as to where they go with their goaltending for the start of the playoffs. If they go with the younger guys that they have, they've kind of carried the, the mail here, or if they go to Jonathan Quick because of his pedigree. Yeah. And Or if they start with the young guy, how, how quick did they go to Quick? See what I did there? Hey, dude. You're, I mean, you're a professional. A lot of... <laughs> A lot of ways. Well, uh, it's been uh, been nice catching up with you there, Mr. Rivers. Yeah, we'll do it again to, soon. Try not to be so long. It's so, it's so difficult to work with. Man. I got it. I will do my best, although I can't make any promises. For the one and only Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, thanks for listening to the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.